0: Welcome to today's episode of the Cyber Work with Infosec podcast. For 12 days in November, Cyber Work has premiered a new episode every single day. In these dozen episodes, we've discussed cybersecurity hiring best practices, security culture, team development, and the importance of storytelling in cybersecurity. Our final episode in our daily podcast series is entitled Security Awareness and Business Culture, Ask Us Anything, and features four guests from the past two days of podcasts. David Hansen, the Senior Analyst Corporate IT Security and Compliance for Brookfield Renewable, Dan Teitzma, Information Security Specialist Program Manager for Amway, Donna Gomez, Security Risk and Compliance Analyst for Johnson County Government in the state of Kansas, and Tom Larson, Cybersecurity Awareness Lead at Idaho National Laboratory. Our four guests took questions that were sent live during our virtual Infosec Inspire Conference in September about their expertise in creating effective and globe-spanning security awareness programs. Our guests, along with moderator Tyler Schultz, took questions about the changes in awareness strategies in the face of mass work from home scenarios due to COVID, key traits they look for when hiring cybersecurity awareness storytellers, and lots more. You can also hear more from these guests by checking out the past two days' episodes. If you want to learn cybersecurity or move up the ladder in your career, we're giving all CyberWork listeners a free month of access to hundreds of courses and hands-on cyber ranges with InfoSec skills. Infosec Skills is aligned to the work roles, knowledge, and skill statements in the NICE Workforce Framework and can help you at any stage of your career. Be sure to use the code CYBERWORK when signing up, or details can be found in the episode description. Catch new episodes of CYBERWORK every Monday, 1 p.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel for video or on audio wherever you like to get your podcasts. And now, let's Ask Us Anything. <music> How have you guys
1: pivoted or adjusted your programs to move more online while also kind of having to address maybe a hybrid approach for anyone who is actually going into the offices? Um, Dan, do you have any, any thoughts there, any, any advice?
2: Uh, well, I would say for us, really, the program hasn't changed significantly because of doing computer-based training along with facilitator-led training. Um, I think probably the one obvious difference is um, facilitator-led training is being done virtually or remotely as well with, you know, smaller groups of people, Um, but uh, rather than having people in a conference room right in the office. Um, So I think really that's the main difference. But one of the great things about um, using, you know, a tool like an InfoSec IQ learning platform is you can very easily, you know, push out training to many people um, in a computer-based training format. Um, and that actually has been a good thing that we've transitioned more to that over the last year or two. So when things started transitioning to people being, you know, totally working remote, um, that just set us up for success even better, right? Being in that type of situation. So, um, so I'd say really it's really been business as usual with our fishing program, our, our awareness training, um, really, the only difference is facilitator-led training has moved to being, you know, um, virtual as well. Um, was really the main, main impact.
1: Yeah. So, so in your program where, you know, your facilitator-led training had, you know, someone from the local or regional uh, area really helping lead some of those, like you mentioned, on, on-site or in-person training, how, have, how has their role kind of shifted? Are they still kind of the head of communication as far as, as delivering training or, or how does how their role shifted?
2: Um, I think their role has really been, again, um, shifted toward reaching out to people more you know, in a virtual or remote way, whether that's individual people or smaller groups of people where they probably would have been you know, reaching out, interacting with those people in person in the offices a lot more. Um, they've had to make a real conscious effort, I think, to still be visible, but in a virtual or remote way, if that makes sense. So, so I think that's kind of really how their role has shifted. But I think all of them have still been able to stay quite active and still doing, um, you know, facilitator-led sessions with smaller groups of people, but just doing it virtually or remotely versus, you know, in the office. Um, we have people who have started going back into the office now in many of our locations globally. So I think they're starting to now have more of that in-person contact again as well. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Tom, thanks for joining. Um, we're definitely happy to have you as well. Did you Have you noticed any uh, major shifts or have you had to shift strategy significantly due to kind of a shift to... Working from home
3: environment. Um, Yeah. And, you know, there's good and bad to everything. Right. Um, You can see. Well, I always forget. (laughs) You can see in my background. That's one of the shifts that we've made Uh, previous to COVID. uh, The cybersecurity awareness team would actually go to different locations and do booths. And it was just an opportunity for, for people to come ask us questions, us to share questions, give them some candy as a bribe to come visit us. Um, and so we've we've shifted gears and, and now we do a virtual booth where we set a time and set up a meeting and anybody anybody can join. And we make it clear that, you know, we're not asking you to come and spend a whole hour or an hour and a half with us. Just pop in sometime during that hour and a half. Ask a question. Uh, earn a fish. You know, we'll spin the prize wheel for you. Um so that's one of the things that we've done but as we we're talking about this I'm realizing there are some new opportunities here that we may not be aware of um I was actually my my wife is actually teaching a second grade class online um and she has been introduced to a whole world of technologies that are designed for online interaction and and not just Zoom or Teams or GoToWebinar but things where it allows children, you, you can show a presentation and allow, allow a child, you know, that's across the world to take control and do something with the presentation. Um, so there's lots of technology out there to help make things more interactive. And that, for me, that's one of the things that I miss about the in-person. You know, I you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my career getting up in front of people and talking, and I love doing that. But I love being able to interact with the audience, feeling the audience's energy, getting them to participate and so we have to recognize that there's a lot of technology already out there that allows us to do those types of things beyond just well, type something in the chat window you know um, and so that's that's one of the shifts that we've tried to make. you know, try to take advantage and the other the other thing that i that popped into my head was one of the things that I've learned that I kind of like about this, where everybody's working from home, is I'm starting to learn a little bit more about my coworkers, you know, just by what they have in their background. Or, uh, you know, my boss, every morning at our meeting, stand-up meeting, what stand-up meeting <laughs> his daughter comes in and gives him a hug before she leaves for school. You know, now I can put a face and a name to the daughter and I have a little more insight into my boss's personal life that that obviously he's willing to share. You know, that's another thing you got to think about. What are you willing to share and what are you not willing to share? You know, (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to comb my hair and brush my teeth and, you know, and groom my beard before I get on camera. But I'm not worried if my daughter walks in and asks for a candy bar. Uh, You know, I'm not worried if my dog wants me to pet him. Uh, You know, and so those are things you have to think about but it's also that's an opportunity to get to know your audience, and one of the best ways to reach people is to know how to reach them. you know I take awareness as a marketing challenge, so I want to know my audience, and the more I know my audience, the more effective I can be at reaching them and engaging them and and helping them improve their lives in a secure way yeah that's great and
1: and it's it, I think it's very very important and Definitely admirable that you're taking on that challenge of how, how are things going to be different because we don't really know if, if things are going to shift back to the old way where you can do your booth in person and, and if, if we can, when that'll be. So I think that's definitely a smart strategy. Donna or David, do you, have you, uh, are you starting to adopt any new um, strategies or any changes based on the new workplace environment. I'll jump in
4: quick. Uh, Similar to what Dan was saying, there's been no marked change to our new user training or our our quarterly uh, fish uh, campaigns that we run. But what we have adapted or or started the process of adapting into is for those individuals who have demonstrated susceptibility to a fish campaign, we are now conducting an instructor-led online training session. And I used to do it in person, no longer an option. Um, but again, it's it's driving home the message to, to the members, to, to, the, to the folks in the different regions. This is not punitive, this is educational. Let us know what you are nervous about and, and get into that open, uh, interactive uh, setting. Um, and so it's not just dry information, but something that they can start to piece it together and. Hopefully, we'll go back into the work uh, work environment. They're better equipped to identify and respond appropriately to a suspected fish.
5: Yeah, for us, one of the biggest things in the plan that had to shift was for our 50 plus community. Um, you know, nursing homes have been impacted greatly by COVID. And going in person, you're, they're detached from the world. So the, the only thing they have are the nursing home staffs just detached from their community, I mean, from their family members even in some cases. But those are people who are the targets for a lot of the scams that are out there. So they need the information. So we have worked with Outreach to develop a program for them. So um, working with our Parks and Rec department and giving them the information so they know the people and then providing the program and presenting that content and creating that channel and then also helping them so you're a victim here's what you need to do so giving them the steps giving them the tools so that way they're self-sufficient um that way they're not abandoned they're not left on their own to their own devices and everything else and and it gives them a connection point and gives them a face. Uh, so. They, they, they see people and it because that's that's what's so hard is that people people need people and you don't if you don't see faces you're 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 left about you you're, you're left alone and um, so it's all about engagement and that's what awareness is so just launching the program isn't enough you have to connect the content to the people and so that's one of the things that we've done for that community is, include, find found a way to bring the content, deliver the content in a way that's meaningful to them.
1: That's great. An- another question that came in um, that kind of tie into that that topic as well from Gilberto. How often do you send communications to employees? I don't know if that's something that has necessarily shifted for you guys now, but uh, would definitely like each of your opinions um, and, and kind of thoughts behind that communication element. How often should you be potentially sending out, whether it's training, whether it's um, kind of more generic security communication, how often would you recommend doing that? David, do you want to take that one? We average about once every six weeks,
4: there'll be a group communication that goes out and it will uh, speak to the the threats that are being detected and, and letting people... Uh, forearm them with a bit of knowledge just in case something new or some variant gets past our filters uh but about every six weeks we, we don't want to hit them every three weeks because then you get a little bit you know a little bit
1: blind to it
0: <laughs>
1: awesome um another another question from gilberto this is um, interesting to hear your perspectives on this one as well. What strategy do you follow or perhaps did you follow in order to get the budget that you needed to to run the type of
3: program that you're running? togie <laughs> so uh, my my favorite my favorite strategy is to compare my costs to the cost of a new firewall. Um, and in my experience, the, the technology that we use to protect our users, be it firewalls or email filters or, or proxy servers, uh, all of that is, is orders of magnitude greater than my costs. You know, I can buy uh, a couple thousand of those squeeze fish for pennies compared to how much it costs to put in one firewall. And so that's one of the favorite strategies I use. And obviously, you know, and you can always talk about risk and point out that studies have shown that the biggest risk to your cybersecurity is people. And I'm not saying our people are the problem. I'm saying that's how the hackers get in most often. That's the most common way they get in. So that's our biggest risk, so that's where we should be putting most of our resources to protect against that risk. So if it's a risk conversation, you you you've got the, the ammunition already. And if it's a if it's just you know doll spend if it's a spend conversation well yeah you can spend a million dollars on a firewall or you can spend thirty thousand on a subscription to some great cybersecurity awareness training you know so that's how I that's those are two of the things that that have worked very well for me yes
2: yeah, so kind, kind of build well sorry real quick kind of building on that I think it's um, <laughs> you can you know qualify and quantify um, what the impact will be of a you know, actual security event. So I think if you, you know, can lay out, here's a real life um, scenario or situation that either has occurred at our company or, you know, has occurred at other companies that could occur at our company, and you can, you know, help people understand what the true impact of that would be, um, then I think that really helps go a long way with, you know, driving the discussion on on what makes sense from a budget standpoint around um, awareness training.
5: The way I look at it is so. Here's the way I proposed it. So it was going back to, um, so if your organization and whether you have IT governance in place, um, whether your board, you know, what what matters to them, it's your story. You know, you got to tell the story. And if you follow the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, if you're doing the CIS Top 20 Controls, whichever one of those is your body of knowledge, whatever one is your Cost of compliance, whatever the drivers are, cybersecurity awareness is part of that. I look at cybersecurity awareness as part of your threat and vulnerability management program. It is also, it should be also embedded in your change management practice. It should be embedded in every single practice that you have because it is behavior change. Um, if you want people to know how to do business, um, you want to connect. You know, you have IT governance program. IT is supposed to enable the business. And how do you do that is you make the business and IT understand each other. And that's part of cybersecurity awareness. Mm-hmm. Security is doing good practice and you have good cyber hygiene. These two things go hand in hand together. So when things are not going well, you we already know what the cost of a cyber attack is. You can ask your cyber insurer. They're going to tell you. The cost of a cyber insurance program, we know what the cost of that is. The cost of cybersecurity awareness program is here's the license cost. You do that cost benefit analysis, you put that in front of your finance, your financial person, it's going to be a no brainer. So understand what what the business wants, needs are, and tell them the story. Um, but put it in the mindset of what's out there, what the standards are. So if they if somebody is driving, you know, talking about NIST, you know, get to know your auditor, get to know your risk manager, get to know your cyber insurer. You know, find out what's out there and talk to these people, um, and they can help you tell the story. If you want some help from me, because I've written one of these before, I have a nice little template that you, I'll be more than willing to give you um, that you can. Beg, borrow and steal and use it to present and at will because it's, I consider, it an easy sell as long as you know who your audience is to tell the story.
4: You, you touched on it on a good point, Donna. Um, um, I also cover off on the IT compliance requirements at, at the corporate level. And we've been seeing a distinct change, for, of course, for publicly traded companies, a distinct change in the last year with what the external auditors are looking for. And they are specifically interested in cybersecurity. Uh, yeah. It is becoming I mean, more and more of an active topic. But going back to the, the, to the question, um, we take the approach of we put forth our, our uh, what objectives we'd like to achieve for the upcoming year in our initial uh, draft budget submission the board comes back with what they like to see and then it's just that challenge of matching the board expectations to the funding level and and making sure that they're more or less on par with each other
1: yeah. that's great that's great advice um one thing that i was c- kind of curious about um so Have any of you encountered kind of the mindset amongst, whether it's amongst security leadership or just anyone else on the security or IT teams where, you know, the common frame of mind is, you know, your employees, they may be the greatest weakness and maybe we're going to do security awareness and training to achieve compliance, but we're better off investing in technology over training. Have, have any of you had to overcome that um, kind of objective of our effort should be in technology rather than um, the time and effort for security awareness and training? to
4: watch this one. <laughs> big <smile> <laughs> you know, since
5: 1999, I've heard this many, 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 many times. Um, and, and the thing is, is you still need people to enable technology. So if you don't invest. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've worked for an organization where the first thing they've done is cut the training budget. And then they wonder why. I mean, we look, you, you look at the curve right now. Um, you know, there, there was even a presentation, and, and, and Jack talked about it in the beginning, is looking at the cyber skill, cybersecurity skills gap. There's, train, there's a training skills gap. And why is that? Because training is cut. They're, they're, that's the first thing they cut. Why is that? It's it's not just through osmosis that things are going to work. You have to you have to enable people. And how do you enable people? You educate people. Um, how do you change behaviors? You help people understand their potential. Um, you anyone who's taken a leadership course leaders are not born you you know leadership is a process how do you learn that process it's training you, know, you, you develop yourself into becoming a better leader leaders still make mistakes and you learn from mistakes so um that <laughs> this one of those is like going ah anytime i hear it um so what am i saying get to my point my 15 you know my 15 seconds to hold your attention um, cause I've already lost you with the, the, the fleet time here. It, it's, it's just that you're training. You have, you have to do it. Uh, it, anytime someone tells you, you redirect them. It's like, well, how do you maintain the skills you have to don't it? There's a balance because I, you I know mean, we've implemented technology and we did not take the training to train the employees on how to use the technology. That is something that's always missed. You're not just gonna learn it. It's just not like it's the same product. It doesn't happen. Training is, it's essential and it's part of everything that we do. I I mean, yeah. (laughs)
1: Actually, so so I know, Tom, just from talking in the past, um, you've actually built a, a, a team kind of around you to help with a lot of the things that I know Donna has mentioned, each of you guys have talked about. Um, and when we're talking about things like your team or anyone else helping you um, run your program or David and Dan talking about you know, having an extended global team, whether it's you know facilitator-led training in, in regional areas, what do you do to or are there any traits that you look for in um, someone else to to add to your team that something you're really looking forward to that you know you're going to get your message across and you know you're going to be delivering impactful training?
3: Well, for me, good writing skills, because a lot of what we do depends on writing or or is in writing. Um, Good good organizational skills, uh, good good, uh, project management skills, because I don't have them. So I need somebody else who can do that for me. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the first thing, you know, what are the things I wish I had that I don't? Um, and one of the things that I've kind of lucked into is, is the last few people or the the few people that I've had join my team are, are very creative and come up with fantastic ideas. Um, you know, so definitely creativity, um, and a kind of a marketing mindset and mar- marketing, um. Marketing capabilities and knowledge are definitely things that I look for. You know, the technological stuff—it does help, um, but I can get technology help from other people. Um, and mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm surrounded with techies. You know, I need to, when it's coming when because I need to engage people. I need marketing expertise and communications expertise.
2: Yeah, I would say uh, it's really you know communication, but also culture, right? So. Um, Someone that's really, um, you know, embedded in that location, that area, that culture, right? And having a good understanding of that, if at all possible, because one of the real challenges you have is how do you effectively communicate to a truly global audience, but have it resonate with that person where they're at, right? In a way that's meaningful to them. And, um, you know, it's really interesting the discussions that we have in our team that has, you know, people represented from all over the globe because we'll talk about this training topic or how we're presenting something and someone will say well in our culture that would kind of mean this or would resonate this way in our culture it would mean this and resonate this way and you just realize that you have to be have people that can understand those differences right so that's one of the things we talk about that's so important is you have a consistent message globally but you have to adapt it for the culture at the local level and that's absolutely key and you need the people that have that cultural, you know, uh, awareness to be able to do that.
4: Yeah, your you're person on the on, in the locale, they're going to give right. you incredible value. Um, you know, as I found out through the engagements uh, last year, you're dealing with our with our China uh, uh, group. Get to the point. Do not flower. Do not just get to the point. That's w- that's what they understand. That's the norm for them. Um, in uh, in Colombia, and Brazil. Yeah, uh, informal, build up the rapport with the individuals or with the group, that's great. Ireland, just bring beer, you're good. Um, you no
5: know, <laughs> 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 so
4: Irish. It, it is adaptive, and yet you're still trying to put that common training standard. Uh, to, no. to, to, you have to be adaptive. And and I like your, your point, Tom, about the, 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 um, the, the people skills. There's some people where they're 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 creative, they're good communicators, they're they're they can think on their feet. But there's also a place uh, for people who are very procedural. You know, like I, I think it in terms of when I'm developing the program, when, when I'm pushing it out there, that's where I need the creative people. They they can think out of the box and, and and on their feet. Once it's established, then somebody who's more procedural based and organizational, you know, a good PM sort of approach, they're they're a really good fit for that.
1: That's great. So in, in our last few few minutes, I know you guys have touched on this a little bit, but any, any uh, new exciting major plans or changes to your programs coming up in the next year or so? Donna, anything in particular?
5: Well, because of Tom, the fishing derby has requested. <laughs> Why don't we do that? Oh, okay. We'll do that. Thanks, Tom. Um, so, yeah, and, I mean, and and that's and that's the great thing about that's the great thing about things like this is that collaboration really helps give you new ideas to try something new, and um, and that's what I always tell everybody is like I am willing to try anything, it because it's something it engages people in a different way, and. Um, so that that's just it. I'm, I'm just looking for me. I'm looking forward to just trying something different than what we've done in the past, because it's a way to engage people. Yep. Reconnect them in a different way.
4: Indeed, we've got to proven. we know what works. What can we do next to enhance upon that? And that's yep. the challenge. As like I said earlier, it's trying more, it's more time-demanding, but more of the one-on-small-group uh, approach and get that question and answer and, and hopefully get them to the point where they're willing to start admitting what they don't know. And then you can... <laughs> yeah,
3: well, Don, it's still my thunder. <laughs> for, for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, we're holding a phishing tournament where we're going to... Uh, Pit different uh, mem- parts of the organization against each other. We're going to send out three different fish through the month and see who has the best reporting, uh, reporting uh, metrics after after the tournament, and give away prizes to the winning teams.
5: Well, you included it in your presentation, so you know.
3: You- <laughs> That's right. That's it's right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Just like Donna said, if you if you want to steal, beg, borrow, steal take whatever you want and and feel free to reach out to me and I'll show you what few ideas I have and I'll share you all the great ideas my team has.
0: Thanks for checking out Security Awareness and Business Culture, Ask Us Anything with Donna, Tom, David, Dan, and Tyler. We hope you enjoyed these dozen episodes and were able to acquire some lessons, ideas, or strategies that you can use to create or update your security awareness training program and make the work of security more effective and engaging. Cyberwork will return to its weekly episodes on Monday, November twenty-third, when Terrence Jackson of Thycotic and I talk about how to best protect an organization's privileged credentials in the cloud, given the current proliferation of remote work and the unevenly secured devices people use when doing that work. The Cyberwork with Infosec podcast is produced weekly by Infosec. The show is for cybersecurity professionals and for those who wish to enter the cybersecurity field. New episodes of Cyber Work are released every Monday on our YouTube channel and at all the places where you like to get podcasts. To claim one free month of our InfoSec Skills platform, please visit infosecinstitute.com slash skills and enter the promo code cyberwork for a free month of security courses, hands-on cyber ranges, skills assessments, and certification practice exams for you to try. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us in these last 12 days, and I'll see you very soon for more regularly scheduled episodes of Cyber Work. Bye for now.